Ladies, the front. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Old Testament book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 41. It starts with the eighth verse, and it goes like this. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, offspring of Abraham, whom I love, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I chose you and didn't reject you. Don't fear because I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will hold you with my righteous, strong hand. All who rage against you will be shamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will be nothing as they perish. You will look for your opponents and you won't find them. Those who fight you will be of no account and will die. I am the Lord your God who grasps your strong hand who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Don't fear, worm of Jacob, people of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. Look, I've made you into a new threshing tool with sharp teeth. You will thresh mountains and pulverize them. You will reduce hills to straw. When you widow them, the wind will carry them off. The tempest will scatter them. You will rejoice in the Lord and take pride in the Holy One of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It seems that nowadays all we ever hear is bad news. I don't know what your life is like, but generally my life is pretty good. I'm pretty happy with my life. There are things that would be different if I, you know, had a magic wand. There were things I would change. But generally, my life is good. We're blessed. And yet, every time I pick up my phone or turn on the TV or talk to my friends or read the newspaper or do any number of things, it seems like the world is just going all wrong. I saw a study the other day, a poll that they had taken the other day on um, right direction, wrong direction of the country. Have you seen these polls? And it's not optimistic. And yet, for most of us, our lives are fine. And so what is the difference? What is causing this disconnect between the reality of the life that we experience on a daily basis and the messages we're getting from everywhere else? I read that the 95% of the headlines were negative. And none of them ever turn off. You have news at your fingertips 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can get whatever news that you want. And in fact, they've invented a word for this. It's called doom scrolling. Has anybody done this? Where you pick up, for me it's Twitter, it's an addiction and I have to stop it. But <laughs> you pick up your phone or the newspaper or Facebook or whatever and you just keep scrolling so that you can read all of the bad news in the world, right? You're literally addicted to bad news. And it's easy, it's kind of fashionable right now to blame the news media for this. Well, if they would just give us good news, then we would watch it and everything would be fine. If they would just give us good news, surely there's good news out there, they could give it to us, right? In fact, people claim that they prefer good news over bad news. But when somebody asks you if you want the good news or the bad news first, which do you pick? It's always the bad news. 
Researchers have found that that sentiment is just not true. We don't want good news. We don't want to hear it. We prefer bad news. There's a newspaper in Moscow called The City Reporter, and uh, they did an experiment in, in December 2014. So this is not a new problem. They did an experiment. They promised their readers that for one whole day, 24 hours, they would only carry positive headlines. Every headline that you read was going to be positive. So it was things like, no disruptions on the road despite the snow. Or another that said, underpass completed on time. They said, do you feel like you're surrounded by negative information and you don't want to read the news in the morning? They asked. Do you think good news is a myth? They said, and we'll try to prove the opposite. So they were intentionally uplifting. They found the silver lining in every story. Do you know what happened? That day they lost two thirds of their normal readership. Nobody wanted it. They said they looked for the good news and we thought they found the good news, but it looks like nobody wanted it. Nobody read it. So they returned to the old reliables, car crashes and burst water pipes. The same year researchers from McGill University did a study, this is in Canada. They sought to explore the possibility that as consumers of news, we have trained journalists to focus on negative things. They invited participants, students in Canada, to come for a study of eye tracking. This is the really cool technology. So they put a camera right behind the TV and they track where your eyes go. They literally watch your eyes move. You literally watch your eyes read. And, as they, and then after they read, the people would read the headlines and the stories that day. And after they read, they watched a short video, which they said was the purpose of the study. But it was really like a fake filler task to confuse them, so that it's like a lie detector, essentially. And they were really depressed by what they found. They found that their eyes, your eyes, naturally gravitated to the ones that had negative tones. That they preferred to read stories about corruption and setbacks. They were more interested in current affairs that were negative than they were about the positive stories of what was good in the world. And when they asked the people in the study after if they preferred good news over bad, they said that the media was too focused on negative stories. So why is it that we like bad news? What is it that we enjoy about the bad news process? And I think it's this. I think we want stories that reflect our fear. I don't think we consciously want that. I don't think we consciously are like, you know what, I really want to feel afraid today. But I think that at the base of things, fear is one of the most common human emotions. When we name what we feel, when somebody asks us how we're feeling, often fear is at the top of the list. We may not call it fear. We may call it something else like, oh, I'm just having a hard time today, or you know, I just don't really feel like doing anything, or I'm kind of mad at my friends. But often, deep down at the bottom of what we're really feeling is fear. And even when the world is stable, even when our lives are going okay, we have a lot of things that we feel afraid. It's basic, it's part of who we are as people. 
Anxiety is part of our protection mechanism. It's how we survived. It's normal to be afraid of snakes because snakes are dangerous. It's normal to be afraid of the sound in the dark because sounds in the dark were dangerous. We were trained, we developed to be afraid of things so that we could survive things. And we know we're not alone in this. We constantly hear in scripture stories of people being told not to be afraid. I bet you could come up with 15 stories off the top of your head where the first thing God says is, do not be afraid. Moses goes to the burning bush. There's literally a burning bush on fire. And I don't know about you, but I'm afraid of burning bushes. I'm afraid of a burning bush, especially one that starts talking to me. I think fear is a normal reaction. And the first thing God says is, do not be afraid. Or what about poor Mary, who's 14 years old, sitting in her bedroom in the middle of the night, and a giant stranger appears, a giant glowing stranger. That would be afraid. I would be afraid of that. I don't like when Jeremy comes to bed at night when I don't realize it, and I turn over and Jeremy's in bed, and I'm like, ah, right? (laughs) Angels would be even more scary. And the first thing that the angel says is to not be afraid. Or what about the times when people are afraid because of other people or because of situations that they're in? Isaiah writes to a group of people who are afraid because they've been ripped from their homeland and made to move cross-country and live by a river. Now, they probably are afraid for good reason. They're afraid. God has gone through, come through with his promise one more time to scatter them. Scattered them. I promise you, I will scatter you over the face of the earth. And here he comes again, scattering them. And they are afraid. And God says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am God. But their fear is paralyzing. It causes them to freeze in place. It causes them to be unable to hear the words, do not be afraid. So all they see is the fear. Their fear is also multiplying. It feeds on itself. And so when one person becomes afraid, everybody becomes afraid. And so the community can no longer hear the words, I am with you always. Or their fear morphs from rational to irrational to all-consuming in simple dumps that they don't even realize is happening. And in the midst of all of that consumption, all of that multiplication, all of that consuming fear, They cannot hear. Do not be afraid. The fear takes up all the room for the reminders of God's presence. And they can't hear the voices of others who say, I am with you. Do not be afraid. They can't see. And they can't hear. God fulfills God's promises. God warned them when they chose a king that they were going to be scattered, and God fulfilled God's promise. And so they scattered. But Isaiah speaks. Do not be afraid. I am with you. 
You may be scattered and it may feel like all of the news is bad news. It may feel like sitting around the campfire at night that all you have is reasons to be afraid. But I am with you. You can choose, God says, to focus on the scattered parts. You can let fear paralyze you. You can look back at life with regret and say, it's not what I want it to be. But God doesn't promise us a life free of fear or a life free of regret or a life free of wanting something different. God simply promises to be with us. Do not be afraid. Trust me, God says. See me at work in the midst of the unfamiliar. Look for God. Look for God's sightings underneath all those bad news headlines and see the light which shines in the darkness. Your life may not be the way you expected it to be. You may be afraid. But that's where God is speaking. It's a wake-up call and it reminds us that God takes away our fears. It doesn't make our fear go away. It makes our fear different. It changes us. It releases us from captivity to our fear. It reminds us that by letting go, we can make room for other people. We can make room for love, for hope, for creativity. We don't plan too far in advance in case we don't know what to expect. We're afraid to try new things in case those things don't work out. We're afraid of things changing week to week and sometimes day by day, and yet we're still going to be God's people and God will still be with us. And if there was ever a time, ever, ever a time, that the world needs the church, it's right now. If there was ever a time where the world needs somebody to come to their room and say, do not be afraid, God is with you, it's right now. If there was ever a time where people needed a voice from a burning bush, it's right now. So we can get stuck in our, in our fear. We can get stuck and we can freeze. And it may feel at times like that's the right thing to do. And maybe for a time it is the right thing to do. And yet we remember that God speaks, do not be afraid. So let go. Let your fear change you. Let God's voice change you. And remember that your light can shine in the darkness for someone else. Do not let your fear mask your gifts. God gave them to you. And God asks you to speak. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Amen.